Hey guys, this is Rob from Murmur. A couple of things before you listen to this episode. If you like listening to us week after week, if you like listening to Murmur Radio, and we love bringing it to you, go to the iTunes store and write us a review. It can be one sentence, it can be a paragraph, it can be more or less. Give us a review. I'm told iTunes reviews help, so it would be a really great help to us if you could uh, give us a, a review on iTunes. won't take more than a minute. Thank you so much. We love bringing you the show, and we love our audience, so thank you. The other thing is Audible. Do you love listening to your favorite books and magazines, TV shows, and podcasts? Of course you love listening to podcasts. That's what they're there for. Here's an idea. FreeAudibleTrial.com backslash murmur. You can get a free month of Audible just for listening to Murmur. Again, FreeAudibleTrial.com backslash murmur. Get a free month because you like the show. You're going to want to keep subscribing. It's a really great service. I listen to it all the time. I like to take long drives with the dog. Listening to Audible is one of my favorite things to do. He likes it too. I don't know how. I just know. That's the way it is. FreeAudibleTrial.com backslash murmur. Thank you so much. And now quiet on the set. Quiet on the set. Okay, everybody, quiet on the set. Scene one, take ten, marker. Studio of WHUPLP Hillsboro. Welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, tools of the tirade, writer, comedian, social media anarchist, Joe Mandy is with us. Welcome. Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Robert Malazzo here with you every week live. WHUPFM.org and also Evergreen, forever relevant <laughs> via iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. We also have a website, murmurradio.com. We have social handles. And maybe apropos of today, anti-social handles, at MSF Murmur, which is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is uh, Facebook backslash or forward slash Murmur Radio, Facebook. If you go to our website, you can email us. You can also see something that says, don't click here. Well, click there, dude. <laughs> And if you click there, you'll see that uh, we'd like to know if there are subjects, topics, pieces of data, data points that you'd like us to explore in our weekly show. Let us know, and I will match them with a guest. I will match your inquiry, your, your curiosity, your inquisitive vibrations with a guest and give you full credit that it was your curiosity that led us to that show i'll find you a good guess so murmurradio.com download us subscribe to us hello <laughs> again uh, glad to be with you here ready for a really super fun show super fun show with uh, joe mandy joe i'm going to describe him succinctly he does a lot of different things he writes he's a comic uh you you can see his stand-up on Netflix and other Googleable, YouTubeable places. But I wanted to bring him on because I find him to be a sort of budding Banksy for the Twitter set. 
at some point, I, Joe bought a whole bunch of Twitter bots to increase his Twitter girth, and uh, he was he became obsessed with this idea of Twitter bots. Uh, I think it was around 2012. He had noticed that people like Lady Gaga and Justin Bieber and Katy Perry, the Mount Rushmore, three of the Mount Rushmore, maybe Trump being the other Mount Rushmoreian of uh, Twitter followers, he determined, and it's true, that half, at least half, conceivably, and definitely in the case of Trump, half of the Twitter followers are bots. We'll define bots a little bit today, but so Joe went on this quest to buy bots and sell bots and give bots away as gifts. And actually, if you go to his Twitter, at Joe Mandy, there he has over a million followers, but they're not all real. They're, many of them are bots. There's also a Joe Mandy bot. So before we get into defining what a bot is and what a bot isn't and what about love, <laughs> anyway, a little bot humor. Uh, before we get into that kind of, uh, that old chestnut, um, I want to talk about why I wanted Joe and, and I want to reach out to other guests in this milieu and the milieu is it's what are we what is what is one doing what is the art the current artistry of the social media platforms where are we with that as a as a as a community and it's interesting you know we've looked at podcasting uh, in different episodes we'll keep looking at it we had Henry Rollins on the show talking about the art of podcasting we'll have other podcasters uh, top-level, top-line podcasters talking about it. So one of the reasons why, it's not simply because we do a radio show that becomes a podcast, it's because I'm interested in those modern forms, how they're being utilized as the goop of the new graffiti. Uh, let me refine this a little bit more. In 1997, Apple launched the campaign called Think Different. You may or may not remember. I remember it, and, and what I remember most distinctly is there were these really cool posters of folks like uh, Dr. King and Einstein and Amelia Earhart, Gandhi, um, Hitchcock, Jim Henson, Bob Dylan, uh, Picasso, I believe. And the, the, there were these really big, beautiful, nearly square black and white posters. And the, the, the tag was think different. And when I first saw them, you know, Apple was, just emerging or had been emerging the Macintosh. And I thought, oh, yeah, if they if these people were alive today, I mean, Dylan is alive, but if m many of the faces I'm seeing, if they were alive today, I guess the presumption is they would be using Apple. So it was a really interesting marriage between classics, classic craft, classic style, classic execution, cl classic legacy, classic uh, architecture building, and modern tools. And I do think, you know, modern artists would be using modern tools had if they were still with us. You know, I think these artists will, would be using modern tools. But the modern tools have changed and they're confusing. And, and you know, if, if some are, are being laid to waste because they're not withstanding what is what is what people are latching onto in terms of social and artistic communication. Can social communication be artistic? That's a little bit of the parenthetical for having Joe on the show today. If you take something like Vine that died a cruel, cruel, quick death last year, Vine was an attempt at marrying a kind of social media platform. And I'm not looking at technology, but it's hard to divide technology from platform now, but let's call it a platform. And that platform had some really cool users and really cute, 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 really cool, cool, really cool um, uh, works of art. Maybe you'd be hard pressed to call them art, but let's call them art, lowercase a right now. And it went away. It didn't take. The metrics weren't there. But I think a lot of users were, were exploring it, continuing to explore it. Now, I'm not talking, today's show is not about how to make a movie with a GoPro, and it's not about the rise of movies on iPhones. We can go through that in another show. I wanted more to talk about flat, flat technological and social innovation spaces, and can we use them as artistic canvases? I think Joe is someone who's doing that. Twitter and Instagram, I want a, a, a few thoughts before we bring in Joe. Instagram, I don't 
know that I follow nor I'm, I think there are promises of tw- Instagram artistry. The Instagram artistry I'm finding a lot of times are with the comic book creators. We have a lot of comic book creators on the show, and I think you can find Instagram artistry within their Instagram follows because you can literally time lapse the process of how you make something or time lapse or show the 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 uh, the learning and the evolution of a work of art or a drawing. So I think there are I think Instagram is finding an artistic uh, uh, statement or, or, or evol- it's artistic statement it's artistic qualities worth charisma is evolving it's it's inevitably flat right now it's inevitably used for still photography effectively or not I don't think it's as effective I don't think when photographers put beautiful photos on their Instagram it's as captivating as a comic book showing me how they're penciling something or inking something um Twitter is a so that's Instagram. Twitter is a beast of a whole other nature, and I find there's some interesting, I guess what I, what I would call Twitter artists. And I'm not talking about celebrities who know how to use the medium and and can communicate fe- effectively. Because what we want to talk to Joe about today is, you know, being able to tweet. That is a, a kind of form of comedy, maybe kind of form of journalism, kind of form of art. We'll keep looking at that as the weeks go on. But I'm interested in the nebula because I think there's a dangerous nebulous side to the authorship of tweets as art. They're they're social journalistic statements. Does that make them art? Well, there are Twitter handles I follow that I find are fun and artful. Uh, There's one called You Had One Job. I think you had one job it's at you had one job one and it has over 200,000 followers not sure how many are bots but it's literally a photo of something that conceivably you, you only you you know the only thing you couldn't screw up is the only thing you had to do and it's kind of funny case studies of that and that's an effective all in bundling of the form the mission the message and the endemic charismas of the form short sweet photo and text base based and i'm not advocating you follow you had one job i don't know the gentleman who runs it i think it's a guy but i'm just saying i'm i'm forever on the prowl for formulations of twitters or instagrams and i don't like these systems as a form of recreation i i don't you know we have twitter and instagram we use it to announce our programs but it's not my bellywick and it's not something i enjoy doing uh that said, I do. Today's show is steeped in. Right before we bring in Joe Mandy, today today's show is steeped in the reality that these forms, these new social forms, forget for today iPhone movies, IMAX cameras, and Avatar Part Eight. Forget those for today. Today we want to look at flattening because the flatter social levers that people pull on are more democratic because they're more within reach they're free basically is what i'm trying to say and they also blur because they're also spaces that invite uh editorial response feedback and a lot of artists you know create remarkably because they they don't want or they create and they they reject feedback so these social artists and you know, will these social artists span the test of time? How long will Twitter last? That's kind of an interesting question. Joe Mandy tried to bomb the system, but I don't think it's bomb the system like take it down. Joe tried to explore the realities of the eternally gray, gray slash black spaces of Twitter and found some interesting realities. We want to talk to him about that. Some of the things I want to talk to him of. Uh, things of a social and anti-social nature, my favorite uh, topics in tandem. Joe Mandion, Murmur, soon, now this. Andy, are you okay? Yeah. Sure, I'm, I'm fine. Good. Well, I had a really nice time. Yeah, me too. Of course, you know, I've always had a really nice time with you. Same here. But... Yeah. You understand? Uh Uh-huh. Well, 
The food here was excellent. I'm gonna recommend it to my sisters. How many stars did it get? Three and a half. Things went too far, you know? Got too serious. Yeah. Uh, I mean, are you sure? Oh, yes. Is it someone else? No. It's just you. Hey, I, I want to show you something I got you. For me? Yeah, open it up. Oh, but, Andy, this is. This is beautiful. Thanks. It's a Gainsworth reproduction, Boston, late 1880s. I, I sent away for it right after we had our first date. Oh, I just love it. It's, <laughs> it's a collector's item. Yeah, it is pretty special. It almost makes me want to learn how to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the back. Uh, ooh. It's a 40 carat gold plated inlaid base. Oh, Andy, I just love it. It's this really means something to me. I'll always treasure it as a token. No, you won't. Because this is for the girl who loves me. The girl who cares about me for who I am. Not what I look like. I just wanted you to know you'd be missing. You think I don't appreciate art? You think I don't understand fashion? You think I'm not hip? You think I'm pathetic? A nerd? A lard-ass fatso? You think I'm shit? Well, you're wrong. Because I'm champagne. And your shit. Until the day you die. You, not me, will always be shit. Let me in. 
1992, I was watching Batman Returns, and in the last act of that slightly awful, strange film, Batman, the way he defeats Penguin is he jams the Penguin's radar. He doesn't literally leave the Batcave. There's no fight with the Penguin. And that was weird and disappointing. Flash forward to 1999, watching The Insider, the really cool Michael Mann movie. And the last act of that movie takes place on cell phones. Pacino and Russell Crowe on cell phones. And I thought to myself, you know, movies have to address this because everyone's talking on cell phones now. And this was before Twitter and social media and anti-social media. Soon all the other platforms and mediums followed. And today's guest is someone who's bombing the system a little bit or torching it. I don't know what he's doing. He's a writer. Uh, he's a comedian. He's a bigger brain than he probably will admit to. Um, his new Netflix special is really kick-ass, but all the things he, he does tend to kick a little ass. But I, I want to talk to him more about uh, being an intern for Maury Povich. Please welcome to Murmur, Joe Mandy. Hello? Hey, Joe. Thanks for doing this, man. Hey, no, my pleasure. How's it going? Thanks for getting up early. I hope I'm not getting you up too early. No, you're good. My dog wakes me up at like six in the morning now, so I'm up. You know, I, it was a little tongue in cheek, but I really do remember seeing The Insider and Batman Returns and thinking, you know, movies are going to have now all these cell phone conversations and scenes. Yeah. Do you think it's important for us to kind of reconcile social media in terms of like creation? I mean, you're an artist. I know you probably won't cop to that, but do you think it's important to reconcile our reality in terms of what we're creating now. Well, yeah, I mean, like we've, I've, I've discussed this a lot in writers' rooms, just like how cell phones have made it almost impossible to create any kind of real drama in modern life because yeah. it's like either you, the only thing you can do really is like I'm in a dead zone, you know, or <laughs> <laughs> everyone has a phone, everyone has a way to just immediately reach people. Yeah. Um, although I, I mean, I've seen some good. I think it was it home homeland is it homeland yeah or? It could it could have been I think they do probably a lot of like inter- they show a lot they show people texting and the text comes up on the screen and I, yeah. I, I think that's I think that's them maybe it's House of Cards um, <laughs> yeah I don't I don't watch those shows really. I, I don't either that's why I'm trying to follow your lead here man showing what people are texting on the screen in like a creative way just so you get that information um, but it's hard it's difficult it's like you it's we're in a a new world where everyone is like interconnected in the, like through a thing in their pockets. Yeah. You know, the dead zone I know is the David Cronenberg movie, which is, you know, with Christopher Walken. I, you know, yeah. I'm not trying to sound like that guy. I'm just saying that, you know, I remember seeing, especially the insider and it's like two thirds of that movie, not to go back to that, but two thirds of the movie are really interesting and typical Michael Mann and, you know, big, yeah. dick, big dick acting and all this kind of thing. And, like the last half hour, it's Pacino in the middle of the goddamn Caribbean on a cell phone, right? So, so, right. Solving the, solving this thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you wrote this piece for the New Yorker, which I thought was really cool, uh, how I learned to game Twitter. Um, what was the chicken or the egg there? Uh, did they approach you? Did you want to tell the story of that? Because it's a really interesting story. But I I located it around when you wrote that piece. Did the New Yorker yeah. come, come to you, or did you sort of throw they it did. out? They did. They reached out because um, it was like a technology uh, issue, I believe, and so they um, they sort of just asked if I wanted to write something about uh, about Twitter, and I sort of wrote a long rambling thing just about all my various opinions on Twitter, and then they have very smart editors who kind of helped me hone it down to just this kind of one uh, uh, story about me um, buying bots and then complaining to who turned out, someone sitting next to me who turned out to be the CEO of Twitter. I know the answer is yes, but was that (laughs) 90% plus 90% true or minus 90% true? Because it's an amazing story. It's an No, that's all true. Yeah, It's awesome. And I don't mean it like to be a douchebag. I'm just saying it's such a great story. (laughs) It was such a great moment in history that I was like, can't be true, but it's really cool. Yeah, it really happened. I was at, I was, I, um, I was doing shows with Aziz Ansari in in, uh, San Francisco and, we went out to dinner with a large group of people, most of whom were strangers to us, or at least to me. And uh, you were in San Francisco at the time. Was this? Yeah, we were. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. San 
Let's go. And, uh, and yeah, you know, we, we, I, I drank a little too much wine and <laughs> I got, I got set up by my friends who I think knew who was sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I was kind of in the midst of a, a downward spiral buying all these bots. I was really, it kind of took over my life for a moment. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, Jack Dorsey had a, a very funny reaction to it. It was, it was, a very strange meal. And so Jack Dorsey was next to you and did, did he proffer an invite to sort of come into his office? Did you take him up? Did you have any subsequent conversations with Jack Dorsey about like, I actually have, I bumped into him a couple times and he's been nothing but a cool, mellow, uh, thoughtful guy. Yeah. I will say. Yeah. All the social media gush. You're tweeting and other stuff. You did blogs when blogs were kind of cool to do. And, yeah. you know, you, you, yeah. a book came out of the blog and, uh, you know, you, you do Instagram and, and all this stuff. Do you love it or hate it all? Um, it's interesting. I was I had a conversation about this yesterday and then the person I was talking to compared it to uh, smoking cigarettes. And I think that's actually like pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't, I've never smoked cigarettes, but I get the addiction. Like it does trigger certain like, um, pleasure centers in my brain, but I know it's like a toxic thing that's killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what, Joe, it's killing us. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. I mean, it truly is. And like, we're all sort of like, um, you know, we have a mentally ill president who uses this website to control the narrative and make everyone who uses it go completely insane and hang on his every word, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about Nixon, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, 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 that's who I'm thinking you're thinking of. I've got Barack Hussein. <laughs> but you know, what's interesting. There's a, there's a form of addiction called process addiction, which is literally an addiction to a process. Once you get a successful, once you throw a successful line out on Twitter, it's also about the next one. You get addicted to the lows, which is, it's like yeah. a gambler. It's the anticipation of the the good thing. And I think for most people, like I'm, I'm not interested in like pleasing my echo chamber or whatever. Yeah. You know, like I could give a fuck how many retweets I get on something. Like my, I always go to like the darkness. Like I, <laughs> I mean, that's sort of like, like I spend most of my time on that app just scrolling through like the other side of the argument. You know, I'm just reading like lunatics who yeah. MAGA chuds, you know, all these like really <laughs> sycophantic, um, you know, unthinking. It's this group of people who are just like so devoted to this clearly unstable man as their president, you know. And yeah. so I do yeah. that. And then, you know, obviously, like just like the meaninglessness of like pit bulls, selfies and stuff. Like, I mean, I, I spend most of my time <laughs> just kind of jumping <laughs> into that dirty pond, you know? But you do one thing that everyone on Twitter should do, which is follow Joel Embiid. I mean, this man is a Twitter maestro. Oh, he's the best. He's an artist. And, you know, you follow a lot of NBA guys, which I thought, think is really cool. There's, you know, I, I, I have this theory, you know, we always talk about like rock stars want to be actors and actors want to be rock stars. I think NBA players want to be comedians. You know, I don't yeah. know. If, I don't know if comedians want to be NBA players, but I do think NBA players would trade it all to be like comics. But Joel. Well, yeah. yeah. Sorry, well, and Beats hilarious. Blake Griffin is in my comedy special. I He's my that, favorite yeah. part of the whole thing. That like interaction is so funny to me. Yeah, he's really uh, cool. Yeah, it, there's a there's a lot of. I think you might be right, and I would certainly. I if I could, I would give up everything I own. <laughs> yes. To be able to dunk a basketball, <laughs> I don't even want to be NBA. I just want to be able to dunk a basketball. Didn't you win a three point shooting contest in a Jewish summer camp one summer? <laughs> It was a uh, yeah JCC uh, basketball camp thing. Yeah, I did. That's impressive. No, yeah, I got a good jump shot. <laughs> Sweet man. I was speaking to Joe Bandy. I don't know if you were following like the Dwayne Wade, LeBron James banana boat thing. Of course. Yeah, Th- that was a kind of work of art as well. You know, 2015, those guys go on a banana boat, and mm-hmm. literally, Dwayne Wade 
tweets, or I think he was tweeting, not Instagramming, the most beautiful, like literally, emoji, banana emoji boat. You know, yeah. this is like, that was, that well, made I mean, me crack up for like a day, dude. It was, I mean, I don't know if you remember this, that actually happened the same day. It was one of the craziest days in the N- in NBA history. It was amazing. The yeah. banana boat thing happened the same day that uh, DeAndre Jordan was being held, held up, up in Dallas, basically, to make sure he right. didn't sign a contract with Dallas. Right. So then the banana boat was actually a response to all these NBA players tweeting emojis of like a car and a plane, yeah. in indicating that they were flying or driving to meet up with Beyonce <laughs> yes. Jordan. And so as a joke, the banana boat crew, which is, I believe, uh, Chris Paul, yeah, Chris Paul, LeBron, Carmelo. And, and Dwayne, Gabrielle Union. Gabriel Union. <laughs> and Carmelo wasn't yeah. there, but Gabrielle is there, yeah, on the banana Mello, boat. Actually, I believe Melo took the photo. <laughs> he was on a, a, an adjacent banana boat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was on a What do you make of that? Is is it is it fun? Is it less than fun? <laughs> is all the, the it, NBA is like maybe the only like pure source of joy i have in my life like i derive so and like i think when you're talking about like the highs and lows of twitter like one of the only reasons i don't think i can like break my habit is like i'm addicted to like instant nba news yeah Yeah, like for whatever reason i need that like i need those woge bombs i need to know like (laughs) who gets traded in a microsecond after the in you know the (laughs) transaction occurs i need it and so like yeah, I mean, I like it's this thing that I know is just like keeping me up at night and tearing my brain in half. But like, <laughs> I like knowing when D'Angelo Russell gets traded to the Nets or whatever. <laughs> well, I, when you compare it to NFL news, NFL news is like a saga with characters. NBA news is like a telegraph. You know, banana yeah. boat, stop. Send rings, stop. You know, Mark Cuban out my window. Yeah. Stop. You know, and there's something. The about- NFL. The NFL is almost like, uh, like I like Game of Thrones, and I don't really like football. But like, it's it's kind of like Game of Thrones. Like, there's too many characters. Like, I don't yes. know who any. I know who Tom Brady is. Tom Brady's like Tyrion. <laughs> but then, like, I don't know anyone. I can't keep up. Yeah. The NBA, like, I, I can. There's only there's only a couple hundred people in the whole league. So <laughs> it's, it's, I find the NBA very entertaining like i like when the official account for the trailblazers will get into a fight with the official account of what is some other team whatever and it's like it's all like the right tone and kind of lighthearted. and it's it's like again again i'm clearly i put a lot of stock emotionally in the nba (laughs) speak with joe mandy i do want to talk a little bit about uh comics in twitter there's a kind of mixed blessing in a way for comedians you said something really interesting in the new yorker piece when you initially i think it was 2009 i think your friend mentioned well there's somebody maybe writing jokes in your name et cetera et cetera you know but i I was thinking of folks like you know Patton oswalt or david cross and you know david was on twitter then off twitter and now is back on twitter these guys go hard i mean Patton goes hardcore in terms of activity on Twitter. I want to look at something different with you. You know, Albert Brooks is on Twitter. And what's interesting about Albert Brooks, whether or not you're a fan of Albert Brooks, we wouldn't hear from Albert Brooks a lot if it weren't for Twitter. Yeah, that's true. And that's not an insult, but it is a kind of referendum on something. So how do you make this balance with, let's locate it a comedian specifically, uh, yeah. u- using Twitter, what is, what is the upside of it in a weird way? You know, I mean, I think you're doing something much more interesting in terms of like sociology, et cetera. But what is the upside for a comedian to be on Twitter? Well, first of all, let me just say broadcast news is like my favorite movie. So. Oh, that's awesome, <laughs> I, dude. I, I, love, uh, I love Albert Brooks. Yeah, um, yeah, he kicks ass. I think, you know, it's, I think when Twitter Twitter's become sort of weirdly like militarized in a really kind of scary way. But like when it was first sort of created and and as it was growing, it was like a kind of just this fun area to receive news. It was like for journalists to, to post news while it was happening and then comedians to like uh, react and riff on the news that was being posted right right and now what's happened is like and i don't think it's a bad thing but like what 
Twitter has proven is that literally anyone, literally anyone from anywhere can be a monologue joke writer for a late night TV show. Yeah. Like everyone yeah. kind of like gets to the same wordplay joke yeah. or, you know, like it's, it, so it's sort of like cheapened that form of humor, at least to me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of difficult. Like some people are very good at it. Some people who are like the best stand up comedians in the world, like suck at Twitter, which yeah. is fine. It's not like, uh, a one for one thing. Like it's not the same skill set at all. That's, you know? I, well, I think that's important that you isolate it like that. Cause most people won't in a sense, you know, it's like a girl I used to date asked me, do, do I think you're, do you think I'm a good writer? I said, I've never read anything you've written. She said, well, I uh, write you all those emails. I was like, well, is that, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, a, no, it's totally, that's, I, I, that's fair. And like, and then some yeah. of the, people who are like the funniest on Twitter, you meet them in real life and they're like, they're impossible to talk to, you know? (laughs) Like, so like, I don't know. It's a, it's a very kind of specific talent. Um, you know, I've had, I've had a couple tweets like do well, but (laughs) that's perfectly stated. Yeah, I do. Whatever that means, but like that, like that doesn't really, yeah. And like for some people, that's like that's what they do, and they like they they have this like they have a lot of followers who follow them for their tweets, and you know there's a lot of pressure there. But like, um, like Twitter, like I can't believe how much I talk about Twitter. I wanted no, to, no, it's cool. I wanted it, to get it from. Like, no, I'm sorry. It Go on. End tomorrow, and I would be. I well, would be really. Cool. Why not get off it? And I don't mean that judgmentally. Uh, yeah. Why why not just why not make the statement to go off it? you know, versus staying on it and making a statement. What are those different values for you, I guess? Um, I mean, it, I've, I've gone like, it's like smoking. Like that guy said, <laughs> like it's, uh, I've gone a couple weeks without it <laughs> and it was it. fine and I didn't really miss it. And then like, once I like opened the app again, I was just like back in. Yeah. Um, and like right now it's kind of like, well, I got to promote my special, <laughs> but, but well, I, I, you know, I'm, it's not without, it's not out of the realm of possibility that I, I would get off of it if, um, if things felt like more toxic than they already are. What if there was a patch, like a Nicoderm patch, a Twitter derm patch? <laughs> you, that would just like give you, give you like, uh, like my like mild support from strangers <laughs> <laughs> you would just yeah. li- you could lick it i mean you could lick it and get mm. that same feeling but you know yeah. th- th- it's something interesting um speaking with joe mandy and joe this is going to come back to haunt you now that i have your skype handle you know sometimes when i have a guest on my show and look you know i'm a small show and i'll ask a guest to could you tweet about your appearance you know and honestly and this is not to put you in a, in, a, in a compromising moment. It helps our show. I mean, it helps me. I despise it, but it helps me. But I will say this. Sometimes asking a guest to tweet about an appearance, agnostically, without any subjectivity, just literally retweeting it, is like asking them to effing give me both of their kidneys. And, you know, cut to you saying, go screw yourself, don't ask me to do this. But, you know, I guess what I'm saying, what is the opposite of that? There are some people who will tweet a shoelace, a picture of a shoelace, but won't tweet something that may be helpful, let's say. Is that overstating it? Because do your publicists say, Joe, don't tweet without asking us first? I mean, what is the contract no. there? No, I, uh, I, I'm really impulsive on Twitter because I, I don't take it. Like people lose their jobs over tweets and stuff, and yeah. like I certainly yeah. probably could have for some of the stuff I write. But, I mean, I've, I've been told that by my boss. <laughs> <laughs> you lost a sponsorship you never had. <laughs> I did. Yeah, that is true. Um, You're the only guy to get fired from a job who you, that you never had. But anyway, <laughs> really true. It's it was it was a rough time. Sorry, ma'am. I'm, I'm I'm bringing back all the pain points. Sorry, dude. <laughs> no. Um, but, but again, you're losing say, your job. Yeah. So you're. But when you say your boss, are you talking about a network person? You talking about a, a, a showrunner? Yeah. Someone at uh, a couple people at NBC have joked about it because I, I, you know, I wrote a joke about Baron Trump, a pretty innocuous joke in my opinion, and uh, but it just it checked all the boxes. The like the people. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I was referring to earlier, what they need to for like phony moral outrage, right? So then they were like reaching out to NBC demanding that I get fired. Like uh, oh, that poor woman at SNL was like the same day. But like my, I, and I have a sort of Trumpian tactic for that kind of stuff, which is I, I, I just, I won't apologize. Like if someone tells me like NBC, NBC should fire me, I'll be like, oh, you should suck my dick. You know, I just like, I just, when they go low, I go way low. <laughs> you dig a hole. What about, what, That's my well, just to interrupt a little bit of the Kathy Griffin of it all, what, what did you make of when, you know, the, the whole thing holding up the Trump picture? And she not only did it, she did a kind of weird half hybrid apology, not apology thing. I, I couldn't tell what she did, but what, what did you make I of it? I think she handled it badly from the jump. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. you should know yeah. if you're holding a dead like a decapitated bloody head that you're going to rile people. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like yeah. that is worthy of outrage. And then if you're not going to like stand by it for your, whatever artistic merits you think that kind of statement deserves, like then the whole thing was, uh, was an empty gesture. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like, yeah. if you're going to do this, like, powerful political artistic comedic satirical thing like stand by it don't I, apologize i agree i agree 100 uh, percent speaking with joe mandy you know what's no. interesting joe madden uh the cubs manager said something really interesting i don't know uh, i think it was during it Hello? Yeah. So for, for the Wait. record, Joe Mandy hung up on us, um, and I'm I'm oh, go yeah. I'm going to the New York Times with that. By the way, um, I get too emotional when I talk about Kathy <laughs> Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but believe me, it, the, the the history books will prove that you hung up on us. Um, I'm teasing. Uh, you, Joe Mad, I was saying Joe Madden, the Cubs manager at the end of last, I think it was at the end of last season or spring training, said something interesting. They asked him about Twitter. Madden said there should be two Twitters, a good Twitter and a bad Twitter, and you you choose to join one the one is simply going to be you know there's literally two systems applications what do you think about that yeah um and which one would you join <laughs> you know, there's no question i'd go to dark twitter yeah totally in a second. totally um my uh my boss mike sure co-wrote an episode of black mirror last the this last season with rashida jones and the whole premise of the episode is that everyone's life is kind of uh, dictated by their behavior on this kind of Twitter, Facebook-like, Yelp-like app where every interaction you grade your score or how did, you know, how was your, you, you get a coffee and then like the barista, you grade the barista and the barista grades you and everyone's just trying to get above four stars to get in. So you, 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 know, you get access to certain things based on like what kind of, rating you have as a human being right, right, right. and uh <laughs> i tasted him after the episode i had finished watching the episode and i was like oh man uh i would have zero stars and he was <laughs> like yeah absolutely <laughs> you have you would try to get to you he was like you would do a thing where you got tried to get to zero stars faster than anyone like, <laughs> yeah didn't nick kroll even say you're too mean on twitter i mean if he's saying it you know yeah. that that's a yeah 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 yeah, that's not a high bar. You know, I'm teasing. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. we are right here, right? We're in this Yelp nation all around. I don't think Joe Madden's idea is all that actually awful. It's funny, a couple more thoughts to throw at you. Um, Norm MacDonald, I don't know if you read the interview he did in uh, Vulture. And he talked about, no, I, I can't tell, he once supported Trump and then backed off it. And I can't tell where he is now. It's not really important. But yeah. what he did say is, and I'd love to get your take on this, that it's dangerous to lampoon Trump and to skewer Trump publicly too much. There's a law of diminishing returns that we're, we empower something when we skewer it. I'm, I'm probably using words that he, you know, I'm paraphrasing. And yeah. he, he actually took SNL to task a little bit about doing too much of the Trump parody. And he said when SNL 
the, when the social par- when the political parody of Trump works, it's when SNL takes on peripheral characters. Now, look, you know, mm-hmm. McDonald may be being political to SNL. I don't know what that relationship is like now. But what do you think about that? How much is saying too much? You know, and and I only said it because your your tweets have become more isolated uh, at times politically, etc. Do you ever yeah. feel maybe I should say less? What kind of governor do you put on yourself for, let's say, political tweeting? And is there a value pulling back? Uh, I think, I think we're just, everyone, we're in a, like, there's definitely, I feel like there's been a sort of paradigm shift and everyone's just trying to readjust. Like no one really knows what the right level is. So like we have possibly the most cartoonish person to ever attain the office of president. So like, I think everyone's just trying to figure out, okay, this it's a it's a real he's he's the president of the united states but he's a clown so like how do you not portray him if you are on a comedy show as this clown yeah you know it it is like it is sort of exhausting to just see uh trump stuff all the time like i i feel like i feel like sometimes when i'm doing stand-up at least i owe it to the audience to not talk about Trump for 20 minutes. Cause I just think people want to just think about literally anything else. It's, and it's also because like, if you're on, if you're on a show with multiple comics and everyone's talking about Trump, it's just like, we're all just sort of caught in this abusive relationship. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the right level is. Cause I don't want to be, I'm definitely not a person to advocate like escapism or whatever. I hate that. Like, uh, just um, portraying the role of comedy or entertainment as this pure escapism, but like, uh, I don't know. I I I don't. I I think it gets on his nerves if he sees it. But you have to be at a certain kind of. You have to be at a certain level, like SNL, I suppose, where you know he's watching. Right. You right. Know? Right. But but, but, but it's. It's the problem with the narcissist, you know, that whatever you do confirms what they think about you, whatever you do, you know, or or at least whatever criticism, you know, you said it gets on his nerves, but that's what he, I don't want to do this with you here, but you know, it's like, that's what he, it's this thing, man, you know, it's this effed up thing. And it's funny, before Trump was elected, I was addicted to watching Fox News and I was addicted to watching it because I thought they were going to, you know, I thought... I didn't think the outcome would be the outcome. And I thought I wanted to see how they would handle it in advance, you know, because also I'm interested in propaganda. So I was interested, like, how are they going to propagandize this? But with someone like with someone like this uh, as president, that's that's America now. You know, that is America. He I'm going to say something. You tell me if you agree or not. He is America. I think he is America. Uh yeah, I, I think yeah, Trump is. I think Trump is America. What do you think? Yeah, no, he's like. I I remember I I tweeted a few times before he got elected that like we we deserve Trump. He's gonna win, and we deserve it. Yeah, like yeah. we we worship. I mean, I think then that goes to like my sort of obsession with celebrity and uh, and also I propaganda sort of cult-like figures as well, is that, like, we worship the wrong things, we value the wrong things, um, we, you know, we do things that we know are self-destruct, self-destructive because they're fun and humorous or whatever. Like, we, we are very, I think, kind of short-sighted as a nation, or we have become that since, you know, the the mid-century i don't know like it's uh uh we i yeah there there are times where i think we really do (laughs) deserve this one last chapter with you because it 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 touches my you know outsider the history of my never being asked to the prom um 
comedians and you know we have a lot I have a lot of comedians on the show and I used to work for Mike Myers a thousand years ago and it's a it's a weird system to me it, it, give me some insight because I have a feeling debunk a few things are you uh, guys are you guys all on each other's like speed dial like if you're filming something in Williamsburg and you need you know Amy Poehler do you just text her and say hey come by and shoot this scene like from the outside world it seems like you guys are having a great time where you're always like a block away from each other and it drives me crazy. So tell me, is, is that right? Like, you know, like Tim and Eric, hey, Zach Galifianakis, come down and do the scene. Okay, you know, how does that all work? Can you, in a couple of thoughts, tell me how the world, what am I not understanding or what am I fantasizing that isn't the reality about the world of comedians? I think the comedy world is quite small and there is like a camaraderie there. Um, it's also full of incredibly petty, competitive uh, people who, <laughs> like, have every, I think all all comics sort of gravitate to this form because of some, like, glaring personality defect. And, you know, it, it, it's not all the same. It, it's They're all different mental disorders. <laughs> but, but we all sort of, we all sort of have our, our like, glaring... Uh, frailties, you know, and um, the, but I think so. They like there there's a lot of tension sometimes when when two very different people kind of collide. But yeah. for the most part, it is a community, and um, I I can understand why it it, it kind of seems that way. I, I can only speak for myself that like I happened to move to New York. I moved to New York in 2005 and found a group of performers who were all kind of at the same level as me and we were all sort of coming up together and performing at the same spots and socializing so like i have a group of friends who are all you know we're all at various levels of like success but yeah i mean like there are certain people who i can call say you know that some of the people who made cameos in my my special that was just texting people like, hey, can you do this on Saturday? And yeah, no problem. I'll be there, you know. What about an outsider to that group? You know, I have a lot of friends who did the whole UCB thing, and it becomes uh -huh. like a like a system, and a system in the sense of you matriculate up. Yeah. But what what about welcoming other people into those systems? Is, is there a weird rite of passage? You know, again, not to sound like you're some voodoo cult, but it drives me a little <laughs> crazy because it is stitched into what we're talking about before about you know, social, so, being social. And again, I think we can now correctly put to bed this idea that all comics are happy. You know, it's funny, the great philosopher Ray Romano, uh, did you ever read that quote? I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said something along the lines of, if I had gotten one hug from my dad as a child, I would have been an accountant instead. <laughs> it's really what okay. it's really what yeah it's just i think it kind of sums up a lot of what we're talking about but what about bringing other people into your work and your life i mean is there is do you have to be funny or can you just be a good person who's talented um you know you could be honest with me no i mean i i have a lot of i would say a majority of my friends are comics it's just by what i do but like uh it's interesting like um it's interesting going from stand-up and there's a certain personality type that gravitates from stand-up and then when I started becoming a writer as well, like there's a certain kind of personality type that gravitates towards like yeah. writing and being behind the camera and there is like a, it's a subtle difference but it's, it's real. Like a lot of comedy writers only have friends who are comedy writers, right? right? And then, right, right. Like, there isn't a lot of like overlap. And so I have a lot of friends in both worlds. And, and because I live in LA now, it's kind of, <laughs> this whole city is mainly just writers and actors. Who are, that's kind of my friend group yeah. at the moment. But like, but my friends in New York, I have friends who do all sorts of interesting stuff that has nothing to do with, with entertainment. Um, but I don't know, I think, I, I, I don't really know how to answer the question. I feel like it's really hard to make new friends in your, once you're over 30 anyway. Yeah, like yeah. I met, I just became friendly with, I went to a, a, a bachelor party recently and uh, had to share a room with this guy. And then we, we um, 
I went home and I was talking to my wife and I was like, I think I want to be friends with him. <laughs> I was like, I feel like a child. Like I forgot how to like organically like start a friendship. Well, so honestly, I would have rather talked to you about that for an hour because that's something that actually vexes me. Pile on this, the paranoia of this business, pile on all this other stuff. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd love to have you back and talk about friendship in this business because it's actually yeah. one of the most interesting topics to me. And, right. But it's the struggle is real. You know, it's like I, I want friends too, man. You know, and it's like, what's that next step? You know, what after and especially like guys and guys, you know, it's like that episode of Seinfeld where, you know, Jerry is falling in love with Keith Hernandez, you know. Right. Yeah, that's a whole charged thing. I, I went out with coffee with this guy who's married and he's like, this is what I need more of. Then I thought, well, well there's one way to do it. You just got to do it. Like, you got to put the effort in, don't you? Isn't What did your wife say to you in closing? What did your wife say to you when you said, I think I want this guy to be friends? Or well, I want like, to be friends with this guy. What did she say? Yeah, she was like, "What? Well, didn't do it. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, why, why is this like, a discussion? Yeah. And then we went out to dinner that was uh, with them, and it was great. And we're friends. You know, it just as we say goodbye to Joe Mandy, uh, you know, you said something about, you know, the mentality of writer's rooms, the stand-up mentality, the, the camera mentality. What's cool is, man, you're screwed up on all those. You're, you're, oh, yeah. you're all three of those. You're, yeah. You're you're screwed sideways and front ways. Um, and and uh, <laughs> yeah, and then just to get a glimpse into like, I don't think I'm good at any of them. So, but yeah, so that's what I'm dealing with. As Seinfeld would say, "Good luck with all that." Um, yeah. Next time we have you on, though, I want to talk to you about working uh, very closely with Roman Polanski, as I know you did. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Just tell me though, does Roman prefer a one camera shoot, or are they like on dollies? Like, does he like a lot of moving cameras? Just in, in yeah, he took a lot of advice from Blake Griffin, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Was his assistant very young, or you just don't want to disclose? <laughs> you don't want to. No, no, I want. I should say that. The person who actually directed my special, Dan Longino, is an incredibly smart and talented guy, and I was uh, very happy he he worked on this with me. Yeah. yeah, and I was just taking the piss, and and yeah, right. because uh, you <laughs> I, know, uh, it's, I, you it's know, I don't know. There there probably might be like one person out there. Who <laughs> yes. Believe Roman Polanski directed my special. Hey man, thank you so much. Uh, you're a disarmingly nice guy. Um, oh, thanks. And, uh, you know, this is the part of the chat when I put this, when I publish this on the show, we're going to cut to a shot of you retweeting that you're on the show. Does that, does that (laughs) sync up? You know, I don't care if the bots, I don't care who sees it, but that's, that's the moment now. So I'm going to plant that seed in you now. Okay. Hey, Joe, thanks, man. If I, I I'll sometimes warn people, it might seem like I'm making fun of you based on how I how I use Twitter. <laughs> Dude, there's no greater compliment. Joe, all the best to you, man. Continue to success, and we'd love to do this again sometime. Thanks, man. Thanks, Appreciate Joe. It. Be well. You're mean to me. Why must you be mean to me? Gee, honey, it seems to me you love to see me crying.
chud. What is a chud? A MAGA is Make America Great Again. A chud is a cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. I just couldn't get that out of my head during the interview. <laughs> so a MAGA chud is a Make America Great Again cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller, also the subject of a 1984, they call it a science fiction film, I call it a documentary called Chud. Uh, so endeth the lesson. More on chuds in other episodes. Go to our website and suggest chud as a topic. Who knows? We may cover it. We want to thank Joe Mandy for being here with us today. He is a social media guru, activist, anarchist, arsonist. Murmurradio.com at MSF Murmur, the social handles, anti-social handles. Go to our website, recommend a topic, we'll match you with a guest. Each week, whupfm.org, live, evergreen, ever in the know, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We like you guys. See you soon.